For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Epic Realm. I'm here live to chat with award-winning game designer and president of Lone Shark Games, Mike Selinker. How are you doing, That's sir? That's true. I am good. I am happy to be live. The, it beats the alternative. <laughs> that is true. That is definitely true. Yeah. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, I've been trying to get this whole thing up and running, and Mike Selinker was gracious enough to go while we had... Some fun times last time and uh help a guy out and and kickstart this whole thing much like uh last time we spoke you were kickstarting a little game called apocrypha wow that was a long time that was a long time that was 2016 yeah. i think the game released yeah. in 2017 it was that's uh right. that's right you and keith baker both joined us and, and chatted with us about that oh yeah because he was doing uh he was doing a little bit yeah, yeah um, he was doing his phoenix phoenix, phoenix yeah, yeah phoenix donkey man that's right yeah. um yeah we uh we, that was that was some time ago mm -hmm. it definitely uh, was <laughs> it's uh i mean you know uh, apocrypha is still still going strong for us we're uh you know it's it's five years in and people are still buying it so well i mean i mean how many expansions are there now and, and add-ons that we like that. we uh we made uh two giant expansions and a bunch of little stuff and uh and you know, I mean, it's just cool to have a horror game that's like completely modern and set in the modern day. And because everybody kept blaming us for predicting everything bad that happened in the last <laughs> four years, and we're just like, look, we didn't know. We wrote the game, you know, we started writing the game in in 2015, and you know, we had the global pandemic. We had the you know uh all the crazy stuff the the uh rise of fascists the just um you know corruption and and monsters everywhere and and all this stuff and and people were just would keep noting that something that we said in the game had come true again and you know it was like we were being blamed for it I'm like i'm sorry man i didn't predict your future i didn't mean to predict your future but you did predict it it sounds like <laughs> yeah there were some things i mean when you write a chapter we wrote a chapter about the physicians keith richmond's chapter and it uh uh he and chris straub did the thing so it's all the scariest stuff and you know the bad guys were centered in the cdc Right. And so, you know, they, they put out a, you know, a plague to, to test humanity's resilience. They developed it in the lab. And, they, and, and I was just like, <laughs> and, you know, so, so yeah. Um, 
I mean, just everything, like every single thing that went wrong, we had somewhere in the game. And, uh, you know, just after a while, it was like, you know, it's just a game, right? Right. But, but it, but it's, but have you been outside? It's, 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 it's a real yeah, thing. It's, it's not right just there. a game anymore. It's, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. What's funny is that people seem to really dig playing the fantasy version of real life. Right. Like they, 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 you know, it was different enough. And I mean, Apocrypha is one of those games where it takes itself kind of seriously, but, but it's all very silly. Like it's right. all, it's all very like, if you poke at it a little bit, you realize that it's all just inside jokes. And so <laughs> and now there's even know, more inside jokes because you didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes. Um, so people, people were like, you know, oh, we're going to go raid the CDC and get all, get all the <laughs> vaccines and stuff like that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what if you just got a vaccine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of playing the game, what if you just went and got a vaccine? That'd be pretty great. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was it it was uh um it was a good game to have out over the last few years. So the next expansion is this actually happened. That's the title yeah, basically. Of the this yeah, actually yeah, yeah. happened. Yeah. Afraid so. <laughs> Afraid so. Um well since Apocrypha, I mean you've had yeah. a I mean, I, I don't want to say a crap ton of extra other games that came out, but you've got a crap ton here. We, I we, was we do like... measure that in crap tonnage. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, we've had a few. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, the Ninth World came out and Thornwatch, mm -hmm. and those were those were both good good games for us. Um, we got the rights back to Lords of Vegas. I saw that, uh, and that was great. Um, we finally got an expansion out for that game that had been basically sitting idle oh okay we uh yeah it was called underworld and uh we just put it on our website we'll put it into mass release soon uh basically done with the fulfillment on the kickstarter but we're just making sure about everything that we we have for that um but yeah the um the uh, Underworld will be the first new expansion for Lords of Vegas in seven years. Wow. And that'll be great. Uh, and then we just got into it. We've now written about five, I think we've written five new expansions for the game in the last few months. So I need uh, to go blow the dust off our core game. And Yeah, well, I mean, we're... It, we're Are you guys uh, going to be updating, the, like re-releasing the yeah. core game then? Yeah, so... so we had a, a bit of a problem. I think everybody knows this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, we, uh, we, we had a bit of a problem with inventory on the core game. Okay. We had a, uh, a, an accounting error in the pandemic that basically 5,000 of our games disappeared. And uh, or rather, 5,000 of our games that we thought existed never existed is a better way to phrase it. Wow. And so we didn't lose any money because of it but we have no copies of the core game and so we're like well we were planning to reprint maybe in 2023 or something like that but now it's like get it done as soon as we can yeah so so we're uh i don't know if we're gonna do any updates to it um it'll probably get a fresh coat of paint um it'll you know the game itself we've never really had any desire to change how it plays um, for people who don't know it, uh, Lords of Vegas is a game where you 
uh, build casinos from 1940 to 1980 in Las Vegas. And, uh, and so, you know, we, uh, it, it's never been a game we really wanted to change, but it's always been one that we wanted to do things with. So, um, so we've got, you know, we got Underworld now, which has got mobsters and stuff in it. And then we've got a bunch of new sort of side places that you can go that we're playing with different places in America that you can go and uh, just really excited about the future of the game. Hopefully, you know, 2020, late 2021, early 2022, we'll get, get something out that, uh, that everybody can be really excited about. That's awesome. I'm excited for that. We, uh, yep. we we like our board games in this house to the point where we've run out of room on our on our giant largest size IKEA shelf you can get is all, oh, yeah. all board games. Well, no, the, that's the, not true. The, we have a couple. We have a little couple areas down at the bottom that we have puzzles that my wife likes to put together. <laughs> well, the the rule uh, for board games is you will never have enough calyxes. <laughs> Right. I mean, like the Calyx shelf is the perfect shelf for board games, yeah. except that it is not infinitely sized. Right. Yeah. We had we had a couple of the smaller, like the four by twos, and we're like, this doesn't work. So then we're no. like, you get Calyx. <laughs> so now we got a giant one. It's like, OK, well, yeah. let's start putting them in those two by fours again, because, well, we ran out of room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll try to fill it up some more. OK, sounds good. Definitely sounds good. Um, the two the two of them that really stood out to me that I saw uh, that I didn't even know came out with, and they they look like they might have been smaller. I don't know if anybody heard, but the the Trogdor game. Yeah. Uh, so that was one. super fun. Um, so I I met the the guys uh, the brothers chaps and and uh, uh, Missy um, at Gen Con. Okay. Um, we met on stage playing Secret Hitler okay. for an audience, <laughs> which was super fun. A great way to meet somebody. Yeah, right? definitely. And after, did you know who yeah. they were beforehand, or did it yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay? Oh no, no, uh, no! I, I I know everything they've ever done. Nice. And so, um, so they cornered <laughs> me afterwards. Yeah, they cornered me afterwards, and they said, "Mike, we uh, really glad we met you because we want you to uh, make our game." come out and i was like well tell me about it so james Ernest, who's my longtime design partner uh he had designed the game with them but he hadn't uh, done the development and there was no graphic design there was no layout there was no um plan of any meaningful kind <laughs> and so so we got brought on to to do it and we came up with some i, I think some really cool stuff like um we made the the rule book what happens if strong bad found a boring rule book and fixed it <laughs> so there's like taped on pages and hand, cr things that are crossed out and replaced and you know uh all, all of it it's, it's very fun um it's a super fun game. Uh, it's it's as among our co-op games. It's actually one of the harder co-op games that we've made in terms of uh, victory. Okay. But we put in a victory condition where the, if the um, if your dragon the you you have a big dragon. In case that's not obvious, uh, well, if your dragon is <laughs> yes is stymied. Uh, and runs out of health, he stomps all over the board trying to crush everything and burn it to the ground. 
um just in one epic meltdown <laughs> and if you win that way that's that's awesome too um it was a really great project in terms of working with the the uh team too because it was incredibly difficult not to quote back to the brothers chaps their own lines <laughs> i can imagine i can I can imagine that's a part, hard part for them too, because having people run up recognizing them and just run yeah. up to them and go, burninating the countryside. And they're like, yeah. wait, yes, we get it. Yeah, well, it's Continue, one thing. Get it, it over with. Get it out of your it, system. Right. It's one thing if it's a fan, I guess that counts as communication, but it's another if it's work dialogue, right? <laughs> so I had to like ratchet it down. But, you know, they, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was super fun. It was, um, and Skylar and Liz and Aviva, the rest of my teammates, did, Chad did such a great job in taking what was a really good game and just producing an amazing piece of, you know, board game art, right? Like just, it's such a pretty game from that perspective in, in that it just advances how games can talk about themselves and i don't know i had a great time on it and it's funny as heck so I, yeah it's, you know. it's a pop culture icon really to be yeah. honest yeah uh, and and i don't know uh i do have on our stream i have a bunch of your games scrolling that animation of game pictures uh, that you've see. seen. so that's on there so people will be able to see it pop up Aces. um the other one that would uh, again i'm not sure it's kind of a little pop culture -y. But the yeah. uh, uh, Paul and Storm sausage party. So, because who doesn't uh, love Paul and Storm, really? No, and they are adorable men. Um, so, just again, I mean, good friends, right? Uh, same, same thing with the brothers Chaps, right? But um, in this particular case, they did a show called Learning Town, um, and I thought it was very funny their show uh, had a song on it called Sausage Party, which was the premise of the show is that Paul and Storm get hired to uh, fix a kid's show with <laughs> predictably disastrous results. And one of the songs on the kid's puppet show is Sausage Party, which is a song about sausages, sausages. Uh, and, you know, it starts out... Uh, it starts out totally wholesome and then just, I mean, very quickly becomes quite a lot less and the directors are horrified and, and it's very funny. So um, they, they premiered this song in concert at a convention I was at at PAX East and they, they showed the video of it and I was watching it and I was like, that's a really good idea for a game. And so for the rest of the concert, I spent just sort of thinking about this game that was, you know, coming into my head. What I forgot was that they had put me down in the sort of front row guest seats and there was a <laughs> camera on me the whole time. And so what would happen was you would see, you know, Paul and Storm on stage and then they'd cut to the crowd in this, this guest area and everybody would be laughing and having a great time. And I'd just be sitting there going. <laughs> and, you know, just, just like, I couldn't be less interested right. in what was going on <laughs> on stage. Uh, but I was actually like cogitating. And so uh, I went back to my hotel room uh, oh, actually, I went to the dealer's room at the convention, uh, bought some blank 
munchkin cards from Steve Jackson uh, and then went back to my hotel room and designed out the game. Oh, no, no. After I was coming out of the convention, uh, coming out of the concert, uh, just because I know the convention so well, I actually um, was going through the the sort of maintenance shit hallway, right? As opposed to going out the way the crowd was going out. And Paul of Fallen Storm saw me and said, Mike, come on backstage. Let's, let's chat. And I'm like, I'd love to, but I'm working on a thing. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> and, and so, so I blew them off so that I could go back and get this game done. And the next morning I showed up with the game. It was like, let's play. They're like, let's play what? Let's play Sausage Party. And they're like, you made this game since I last saw you? And I was like, yep, let's play. And it, <laughs> and it was super fun. It takes two minutes to play, maybe like two to three minutes to play. Um, it's high stakes. You get some grills, um, and you're just trying to make the best sausages you can. Uh, sausages have ideal lengths. You try to get them into the buns. Um you know, it, there's no double entendres whatsoever. No, no, and none. So uh, I'm here for it. <laughs> yes, um, it is one of the more fun games I've ever made. It's stupid as heck, but it's uh, it's really really fun. And uh, if anybody wants a copy, um, we put it and all of our other stuff on sale recently, uh, which will last not too, terribly long. So if you want a copy for for not so many dollars jump on our website at shop.loansharkgames.com and you can have your own sausage party in your own house. Nice. And going from that, which is kind of like, it's a unique thing. Um, yes. This next game I'm going to bring up maybe a trigger for people. Interesting. <laughs> Tell me about Tantrump. Oh, well, so, yeah, that was a thing where... Because I'm really curious. I see it and I go, that looks hilarious. It was hilarious. But that might trigger people, but I really don't care because... No, we, we didn't end up making that game. Oh, um, really? No, we, we put it out there for people if they wanted it. But it was going to be a really expensive game to make. Um, but it was fun. Uh, it's a wonderful game. The The next toy guys made a, made a mechanical trump that uh, whose head flips around and gets gets uh uh when he gets mad right okay. and so you try to try to uh make him do wor real work while you, well before he explodes uh and it was great to make a game out of a toy um i think that if trump had won in november 2020 we probably would have made the game okay right um now we're trying to give him a little less air uh, just like Facebook and Twitter yep, uh, yep, yep. in hopes that he won't destabilize democracy quite as much <laughs> as usual. But, uh, but it was a great game. And, uh, you know, the team Liz Spain, Skyler, Woody's uh, just made a brilliant, just, uh, you know, um, and Len Peralta did amazing art, which we, by the way, we took that art and we made a site um, uh and uh, made a, a website that um, tracks the crimes of the Trump administration uh, for anybody who'd like to keep track, just in case. Nice. Um, uh, so the art's all on there. It's pretty great. And so, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, that was just a, um, 
a moment in time. <laughs> it was a moment in time, but I had I I couldn't. It was like the elephant no. in the china shop. I'm like, well, I got to bring this up. I saw. Yes, it's like, one of my. Too, it's it was a lot of fun sure. to make, but we didn't actually end up producing it. Uh, what about the uh, detective one? I did that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. One so, um, tell me about that. Uh, Ignazi Trezek again, great friend. Um, he's uh, you know of Portal Games. He did a game called Detective. Which I think a lot of people have played. It's basically, um, you know, a, mer- a mystery solving game. And came to me and said, "I want you to do a um, uh, an expansion that's all your own." And I, you know, it's like I don't really work alone, so of course the rest of my team came on. And again, Liz and Skyler and Gabby and all those people did did great work on it. Um, uh, it's called Petty Officers, and what we wanted to do was introduce, you know, because in the in detective you get to play um, cops, and cops, you know, can be very severe and so forth, right? So we wanted to humanize them, and what better way to humanize them than to give them all pets? So we introduced dogs, you know, to police dogs and and uh, uh, you know a, a feral office cat and uh, uh, a uh, um a ferret that that was uh <laughs> that was used in thievery to to you know uh steal things you know he's now <laughs> reformed and you know basically the idea was you know they're just animals they're not like they're not like you know whatever right so so they're just useful items except they have you know it, it just brings a sense a, a real uh sense of 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 joy to the game to always have your your animals on hand while you're doing it so so that element went really well and uh the the theme i'm not going to give anything away about it but the theme um is that um a tiger uh uh, commits uh, attempted murder, and you have to try to clear it, clear the tiger of the crime. Okay, but the tiger, you know, obviously is a tiger. They're right, not talking. Right, right. So, so you know. Anyway, it, it's it's really fun. Um, as uh, I got feedback from them the other day that you know uh, we fixed a number of things in it, so I feel like it's it's really going coming together, and uh, I think it'll be pretty soon. And I really love it. I think it was one of the best things my team's made. Awesome. Well, that, I look forward to that. To see yeah. Um, and I haven't played the original, so so this is like I saw well, it. And I was, the, like, that's, and I, was a about, fan, I was a fan of PI. If you ever played that game, yeah, I was like, well, absolutely. this might be kind of cool. Yeah, it's a little like that. I um, the thing about it is that um, the guys who made it did a great job. Um, but they're all in Poland. Oh. And so. And they're, they, so they were doing the, they only know American law enforcement through like American movies. <laughs> so it's, right. so it's kind of pop, pop culture reference. Yeah. Way. And so, well, yeah, it's just like, okay, right. But you know, <laughs> and so we decided to, 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 you know, really make it feel like you're, you're in America and you're, you're doing something, something great. So, so will that will that expansion be kickstarted or is it going to be set through distribution? I don't, uh, don't think it's my place to answer questions okay. like that. Yeah, but what I do know is that it's soon. 
And I think people are going to really love it. It's got some really fun twists and turns. And I know I really enjoyed my team. I would say that my play testers, you know, my play testers are great. We have the wonderful crew of play testers. You have never seen them enjoy themselves as much, I think, as as this game. I mean, even with Trogdor and Sausage Party and stuff like that, which are really, <laughs> uh, you, you expect to be really funny. This one was just, uh, you felt great every moment you were playing it. Awesome. And I do want to, I want to go back and talk about um, some of the previous games, but I think, I think I want to come back around to that Do it. because you had mentioned to me and I had seen it briefly. Somebody had mentioned something. Uh, uh, I, you were, you were credited with some puzzle stuff and you had mentioned it to me briefly huh? um, about puzzles and puzzle games. Now I'm assuming you're not talking about where you're putting pieces together. You're like nope. solving, like you're decoding yeah. stuff, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we uh, basically, we have two halves to our company. One is board games and 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 other kinds of games the other is puzzles we have um multiple like we have this this award-winning book called the maze of games that i did with uh, my f artist friend pete benters um and uh tanis gabby and elisa and uh we did a um it's just a it's a puzzle no an interactive puzzle novel where the pages are in the wrong order and you have to solve the book to make it make sense Wow. And so it's it's our biggest seller it's it's sold it's now in it's i think fifth printing um it's it's you know it it's one of those things that i think nearly everybody who knows who i am uh has has at least flirted with buying and they they you know it's it's great family solved together um it, it was really fun to write uh and then we kept doing additional books for it um uh so we did one called the Keymaster's tome uh one called the theseus guide to the final maze and things like that so we did all that so you have the maze of games line we also have the puzzle craft book which teaches you how to make every kind of puzzle and later this year we'll be releasing our first crossword comic book um okay. it's a graphic novel called letters to margaret uh it's written and illustrated by a an, an artist named Haley gold and uh i did the puzzles along with uh andy kravis who's a brilliant crossword puzzle maker and uh, it's it's a great again a great little piece of art in the sense that there's never been anything like this where the puzzles are just sort of woven into the story oh okay and i was going to uh, ask you about that if it was like you tell the story and then you have a page with puzzle on it but if it's part yeah of i mean the story, well i guess it is it is a little bit like that in the okay. sense that so so what it is it's a story about the new york times crossword puzzle and about these two bloggers who uh come to blows essentially over it um and over the controversies in new york times and just in general crosswords and so you know and they're they're students at Columbia University. So of course, you know, there's romance issues and just- Yeah, all. yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, the characters solve the puzzles in real time. That is, you know, in the story, in the course of the story. So uh, the important thing is you get the chance to solve them first. Okay. Right now you don't have to, you can still, but then you won't know why the characters are referring to this thing or that thing. So. Um, but it all, you know, you can read it without solving it. But I think everybody that I know is probably going to. So it's like an interactive comic book, really, because yeah. you get more information. 
absolutely and it just it's just really fun to to feel like you're in the comic with the characters yeah Yeah. right like you can't really get that experience that's Uh, really awesome here you're just like you know it's a new day and there's a new crossword puzzle out and they're gonna solve it and you better get before they blog about it you better get it done and just (laughs) uh anyway uh and and you know some of the characters make uh, one of the characters makes comics or makes crosswords and so you see her developing her skills so i don't know it's a it's a really fun little book uh it'll be coming out uh later this year um we just sort of approved the printing of it this week and so um we're really excited to have that in and and it seemed to do really well so i think we're going to make more i think we're going to make more comic books you know game and game and puzzle comic books because people seem to really like it and you know in the game i'm working on i just i've got this these characters in and i just really want to know what their comic stories are about yeah and how are people going to be able to get get a hold of those have you figured that out yet? well i mean so a couple things i mean obviously we'll we'll uh have it on our website Mm -hmm. um but also we hope to put it into distribution to uh comic shops and game stores everywhere that'd be awesome i'll make sure that you know we stock it here in minnesota Let's try. Yep. Try. We and we might know a few people. A few of them might actually be, be uh, listening to this. So awesome. Um, yeah, letters to Margaret is a you know was a wild gamble that. Uh, oh, by the way, I should probably explain the title because uh, that uh, letters to Margaret is about uh, a character who character named Maggie Margaret who uh, submits puzzles to the New York Times and uh, gets puzzle commentary back from margaret farrar the editor of the new york times crossword puzzle who died in 1984 and it's like huh how is this happening in 2021 yeah. right and so so there's a little bit of like time traveling weirdness and stuff like that it's, it's all anyway point is it's can't thin. give away too many spoilers we have to find out no. for ourselves yes <laughs> Yes. So what is the, the, the D4 conference that you attended then? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, um, well, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, we haven't had any real conventions for about 15 months. My last one was uh, PAX East 2020. So we're now, what is that, 15 months later, right? Right. Um, so I've tried to do as many of the virtual conferences as I can. Um, it's it's really interesting because these conferences now uh they can get anybody like before they would have had to fly them out right to have them on the panel but now it's just a matter of just make sure you're dressed yeah yeah and so you know at least from the neck up (laughs) i was gonna say make sure you get a shirt on at least yeah exactly and so so i can be a three different conventions in a weekend right yeah. and so um san diego comic-con came back last uh week uh when we're recording this um they uh they did a conference on tabletop games i did a panel with elisa teague who's a co-worker of mine colleague of mine uh and um the women from escape room in a box yeah and yeah. uh Lim, and we just talked about designing puzzles so forth but the whole panel the whole um the whole schedule is chock full of amazing industry people and you can still see all of it 
Um, so just go and check out the D4 panel, you'll, D4 conference. I think you'll really like it. Is that on, uh, can people see that on like a YouTube or? Yeah, I mean, you, all of it was broadcast just, on YouTube and the links are all still there. Awesome. Just go to the San Diego Comic-Con site. Oh, that works. That works. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it was a great conference put together by Ross Thompson, who's uh, over at The Op, which is the a op. silly name for a game company, but you know, they're they're good people. Right. And uh, um, get a whole name. Uh, but, uh, but well, maybe it's shortened maybe it's like an acronym like the overpowered no, yeah maybe, yeah sure know. sure well, we can we yeah. can pretend right the op but anyway <laughs> ross thompson at the op put together just um just a murderer's row of, of game panelists it's totally worth watching awesome so talking about the conference and then and and your puzzle books uh there's a puzzle museum Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where um, is this? So, what is it, and how do I get in? Yeah, uh, well, you can't yet. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, my team has been working for the last year and a half on something really cool. Uh, we all we always work on something really cool, right? It's, like it all the things like I just mentioned were really cool too. But um, this one's pretty big. Uh, we're opening a museum. Uh, there's a museum called Planet Word in Washington D.C. And what it is, it's a, it's a museum about words, word play, word um, origins, word dynamics, all sorts of things, communication in general. And it's great. I mean, it's, it's uh, wildly interactive, lots of electronic cool stuff, things you can play with, great for kids. Um, and they came to us and said, we want you to design a word puzzle room for us. And we're like, okay, sure. We'll make a nice little room it'll be you know maybe maybe you know uh 15 feet on the side we'll put some some word searches in there or whatever and they said no 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 no. we want you to make a 2200 square foot room uh with with all the puzzle stuff you can imagine and we're like whoa wait hold up so so what we did is we created a thing called lexicon lane we finished we're finishing our part this month or I guess next month, um, but it won't open until uh, like October or something like that. And again, don't quote me because I'm not in charge. I'm writing that um, down. Mike but, said. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. Uh, watch for press releases. But, but the point is we made a room uh, which had basically the equivalent of 26 escape rooms in the same room. Wow. And so you just... Uh, it's 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 fascinatingly interactive. All the parts work with different different cases, and you you just sort of go through and and play puzzle games all day long. It, it it's probably the the biggest puzzle project we've ever made, and it's permanent. Like it's not like you know a lot of things we make. You know they're up for a convention. People come and see our you know our Dungeons and Dragons stuff or or whatever, you know, and it's a, you get it for a weekend and it's gone, right? Um, this one's gonna last for a really long time. So uh, anytime you're in Washington DC after it opens, you can come and play one of my puzzle game rooms uh, and you'll have plenty of options. It'll be a lot of fun. So the name of it again is Planet Word. Um, it's and our, our exhibit is called Lexicon Lane and uh, 
I, it's just it's just super cool. It's the you know kind of the the broadest paintbrush I've ever been given. Well, that's one of those things that might you know might go on long after we're all gone. That's right. So I mean, that's, that's right. talk about talk about leaving your dent in. Yeah, well, in I hope world. so. I my I mean, not that I plan to go anywhere, but I do think that uh, it's just really cool that people will be able to travel to Washington, D.C., which, by the way, is the most crowded museum space in the world. Like, it's not like there are no other options. Right. So we had to, like, we had to really up our game. Like, we had to be, we had to be, you know, there's no mailing this one in when you're competing with the Smithsonian. Yeah, yeah, for right? sure. And so, you know, you have the option of going to the National Air and Space Museum and seeing, you know, a space shuttle or coming and playing my puzzle games. So the puzzle games got to be great. And uh, and they really are. The the team that made them, uh, we had some real rock stars that that made them. And this just the the fabrication, all the brilliant objects that my team makes. Like every day I would wake up and I'd see some crazy new thing that they had developed and... Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. That's excellent. That's exciting. I am very excited about that. I mean, like, I think the only thing that's ever compared to this for me is uh, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, where, you know, Disney World gave us the whole park, essentially, and yeah. said, said, make a make a interactive game out of out of cards and and cameras and and you know, all of Disney World or all of the Magic Kingdom at Disney World. And and that was great and lasted, uh, you know, 10 years. And so I'm hoping this one's like that too. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. To be honest, it sounds like that's something I, I like. I'm like, I could go to Disney, but this sounds fun. I mean, they're both, yeah. you know, they're Here's both the awesome. But... The, the great thing about this will be that uh, you won't be in the Florida sun <laughs> while you're doing it. No, like you won't burn true. your forehead playing my games, or or get an alligator chasing you, you know. No, or Florida man, no... I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we. Uh, not that I don't want you to go to Disney, because uh, right, Disney has right. been very good to me. But uh, but yes, please come to my museum. It's great. When did you, like, did you start making games when you were a kid? Yeah. Or like what tell me about some of the earliest games that like as a kid that you would like i'm gonna make this game like when i was little i used legos and i'm like i made a board game where you have to go across the but i had no idea because i was five right <laughs> tell, tell me tell, tell me about making games i did that too yeah so uh first game i ever designed and i still have it um it's called so you want to be the pharaoh okay uh i was 11 years old and i made a game that the game board was a scroll that was like four feet wide uh, and it rolled out. So you had to like put anchors on the end of it to hold the game board <laughs> okay. down. Um, the D4 hadn't been invented yet. So I made pyramidal dice out of cardboard. Um, but of course I didn't know how to make a D4 with the numbers sort of around the edges. So you'd roll the die and you'd have to pick it up and look at the bottom. Okay. Because that's where the number that you rolled was, <laughs> right? right. Uh, and so the the game was um, the it was the very uh, true story of how any peasant in Egypt could could uh, could work hard and become the pharaoh. Okay. 
which is basically how it worked. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, you would go through, oh, it was uh, the, the board, it was a roller move and the, uh, and the board was the shape of the word Egypt. Like you started in the upper right corner of the E and tried to get to the bottom of the T. And I remember that there was one space um, that uh, you got to, it was the, the bridge of the T, right? Uh, you got to the middle of the T and you rolled a die. And if you rolled uh, a one, two or three, I think you could proceed down to the bottom of the T. But if you rolled a four, you were executed and you had to go to start over. <laughs> That's what we call game balance. Yeah, right at the end. I'm almost yeah. there. I'm almost there. Let's start all over again. Game balance. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I've been doing it since then. Wow. So did did board games and stuff ever like? How were you? Were you a good person? Like a good school student? Did you? Yeah, like, I was. was, I, like was I was looking at math and English and go, man, I'm rocking this. Or did board games get in the way? I was. I that. yes, I was. Um, exactly the kind of student you expect me to be i was i was uh highly um you can toot your own horn if you need to i was highly into school work okay i was like if the math professor said show your work i was like neat (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's not good don't be that guy but uh but you know i mean like um i uh i got handed my my um mom's boyfriend uh later husband gave me a copy of Dungeons and Dragons when I was you know the base set when I was uh I don't know again 11 I think okay and uh I had this setup in my basement sorry I lived in the basement that's probably uh unsurprising to most people too that I I I was you know kept in the basement and not allowed to to expose uh to 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 be uh to enter the world at large but but um uh in, i had this three room basically apartment in my own house because it was the basement yeah you know nobody else wanted the room that it was just like there was a, a, a you know a bedroom and there's where my drums and photo lab were um and then i had this big table uh that had at the end and i still don't know why i had these a pair of airplane chairs like a row of seats <laughs> wow from an airplane well i mean you I, can't, can't get good chairs i mean yeah well no and so i don't know why i had that they were blue they were they had a cigarette you know uh you know think about that those from the time when you had cigarettes on airplanes uh and that was my dungeons and dragons domain right it was like i was at the end of the the table giant table uh and my friends would come over and we play dungeons and dragons and you know real quickly i figured out i can do this like i could write this yeah i could i could make things that are as good as the stuff i'm reading and i was like you know 13 or 14 maybe okay and so uh i sent stuff in to TSR, the company that published Dungeons and Dragons at the time, and they printed it. Nice. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to do this. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, you know, Dungeons and Dragons put me through college in a lot of ways. Um, 
you know, I had, uh, I was a journalism student, so I had um, uh, a serious writing side, which I, I retain to this day. Um, but, uh, you know, all the time I was writing games, all the time I was writing puzzles. Because anytime I wrote something serious, all I wanted to do was write some sort of silly game. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was. And, you know, it, it, it also paid the bills. Um, you know, got me my books and my lunches and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but what I really liked about it was um, real early on, like 17, 18, I got into the convention scene as, you know, a fairly, like I got to know everybody at TSR at that age. And I was kind of the, you know, young wonderkind person who was just making stuff, uh, you know, and getting it printed, even though I was only 17, 18, whatever. And, you know, no, I couldn't drink, but I could, I could craft you a tale. <laughs> and so um, uh, I got to be like right at the heart of what was then the, you know, the center of the board game industry, center of the RPG industry. Uh, and, you know, got a lot of respect early, a lot of people who, treated me maybe not as an equal but just somebody worth talking to when i you know when i was at that vulnerable age of you know where i could have could have uh gone a totally different direction but instead was encouraged to be very public i'm extreme extreme extrovert in that regard you know i was out there i would run the marshals that would get people to tables i would do broadcasts i would do you know just everything and uh and all this while i was on you know in college so i didn't have to worry about you know real money right and right. so uh i could get by on a freelancer salary let me put it that way i could not do that today <laughs> did they start <laughs> off by did they start off by like just putting you in the dragon magazine or yeah dragon dungeon um i got into some products uh you know things with a, my dungeons and dragons had an a at, my dnd had an a at the front <laughs> right. you know and so uh <laughs> uh but i would get to do things for other companies too i got to know the facet guys and um the the west end games folks and and people like that um uh and you know got sort of started a live action games company as well uh that did really well um doing games uh, called livewire that you know uh, was uh did a lot of games with celebrities and stuff and just really immersed myself in the convention and gaming scene and so by the time wizards of the coast came calling in 1995 i was you know i was whatever 26 27 but i already had a serious resume yeah and so they they were really happy to have me come out and and lead some of their efforts and uh you know it was good it was a good move yeah i was gonna ask what was what was your your role basically in in three third edition three five uh, well, like everybody else, I was part of a really big and brilliant team. team. Yeah, I mean, anybody who says I made third edition doesn't right, right. doesn't yeah nobody the Skip Williams, Monty Cook, and uh, Jonathan Tweet don't say that, so I should right, don't right. say that, right? Um, but you had a I, hand, obviously. You had a role, yes, like certain jobs and tasks I did. and things. I was a creative director, okay. which meant that I had a bunch of brilliant people that made stuff 
And I said, let me help you with that okay. when I needed to. And let me get the hell out of your way when I needed to. And so I, I spent a lot of time trying to set the table for discussion, basically. Like I was one of the first adopters of the D20 idea. Okay. Um, Ryan Dancy came down with this idea of giving away the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, I, I, I want to do that. I want to be that guy. And uh, so, so we did that. Um, I also got to do all the licensed games I worked on you know, Harry Potter and Marvel and, and uh, just, I mean, every other license that came through Wizards. And, yeah. uh, and so I got to make, I got to make a, a whole lot of stuff. And then with the D&D team, you know, it was just like, we had so many different things to do. And I would just find ways to balance all the, all the work I had to do with still, trying to hold up my end of the creative spark right you know so it was like well look we we gotta you know every now and then i would just be like i want to write that book um and so dave eckleberry for example and i did uh did masters of the wild which was a, a druid and rangers book yeah just because i thought we had some new ideas that that would be really good for that and yeah. i didn't have to do it but i just wanted to or or just some of the adventures that i wrote i was like i got this in my head i want to get it out and uh that was a really creative time where people could express themselves in ways that you know have been harder since because the number of projects that products that wizards made right. was never higher right. than when i was there Right. Crazy. I mean, we had the largest team and we made the most stuff. So we needed a whole lot of good ideas. And it wasn't like, and it wasn't, and none of it was bad. It was all good uh, stuff. It, went through, you know, it, it went through the most rigorous beat down you could possibly imagine. If you got too attached to your ideas, you discovered that no one else cared yeah. about your attachment. They were not willing to to hear your plaintive cries as you as you said but really it should work this way <laughs> no it really no they figured you know so so we had well, a without that team. filtering process though you're not going to get the yeah. balance they, they need to have that filter and you know these these guys um like i wasn't a developer i guess the important thing to understand is while i'm a i'm frequently a developer now i wasn't a developer for wizards i was a designer Okay. Um, and the difference may not be terribly meaningful to a lot of people, but but the important thing is that the designer can come up with all sorts of wonderful ideas. The developer's job is to make sure it works, okay. right? And so there were people who were just better than me at that. You know, they would be like, I understand what you're going for here, but it's not right and we're going to make it better. And so, but at the same time, you know, I could develop, just these crazy ideas that people hadn't thought of before right and so so i got to do that for for dnd but also for the marvel superheroes adventure card game adventure game which i really enjoyed writing mm -hmm. and um alternity i did a lot of stuff for and just other games of that that nature where you know we just got the ability to dream out loud and it was really fun i do have a question of somebody asking uh, how do you keep the storyline straight over between, you know, after release and release and balancing all the items and, and trying oh. to keep that all balanced out? Here's here's the trick. I don't. 
<laughs> I let I let computers do my job. Oh, okay. uh, so no, it's funny because I'm generally thought of as the the reserve, right? I'm the like the brain of what did we do, right? Um, but you have to remember we played like 15 versions of every game you've ever right. played, and, and I have, so, and I get that, and just as you know, not not in your position at all, which is sure. obviously way more, but you know, coming in at at AD and D, like you said, and playing that and you know, three well, we, and we, we played it before it was fun. Yeah. And so I don't remember exactly what we put into anything. Okay. Uh, but I do have really good database skills. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's the, the real key I recommend to people is, you know, when they're trying to figure out what kind of game designer they want to be is if you can teach yourself to make Excel and Google spreadsheets sing, you will be a lot better off. Right. Nice. Because we, we just always have everything we need at our fingertips. And so, um, but, you know, I mean, I, the, the, the point is, you know, you got to be serious about it, but you can't be consumed with taking it seriously, right? Like, so this is one time uh, I was in the office and we, we had just released the, um, you know, I was at Wizards in my desk and we had just released the, uh, the was Forgotten Realms book for third edition, which I think is one of the best things that that team ever released. That was an amazing and, book. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 so good. Anyway, we've got it out there, and we got this wonderful email that was sent to uh, Bill Slavasek, who was the 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 boss of of all of R and D RPG side, uh, and he sent it to to me and to Sean Reynolds and to Rich Baker and to Michelle Carter and, and, you know, all these people, you know, saying, and this, this email comes in and it's just like, this is the best book, best Forgotten Realms has ever been, um, ever been treated. You people did an amazing job. You've, you're, the, the game is in good hands. Thank you so much for this. And so I replied to everybody on the email. Um, well, he's going to be really upset when he finds out we killed Elminster. <laughs> and and then I went to lunch, <laughs> and uh, what I didn't realize was that he also cc'd the fan on that email, <laughs> the one who sent it in, <laughs> and um, I was not allowed to talk to the public again <laughs> after after that. Oh my god, that was um, hilarious! So you know, I mean. You can't take it too seriously, is what I'm trying to say. No, but uh, it's going to take me a second to. to... <laughs> uh, but for those yeah. for those listening that don't know, Elminster's like the Forgotten Realms icon. There's him and Drifts, basically. I'm two. He's the he's the yeah big big mage. <laughs> yeah. Two. He's yeah. the Gandalf of the world. He's the Gandalf, yeah. And so yeah, whatever. I was I was banned from the phones. That is hilarious. Um. So from then to now, it's 2020, 2021. Yeah. Uh, what, it, what was it like? To, you is, I don't know which of those two it is. Yeah, <laughs> it depends on what week it is, because it's yeah, all no, one no. week, really. What's it's, a week? Uh, anyway, you were saying. Did, I uh, you. How did the pandemic affect the the board game industry did it go up because everybody was home oh and gosh. wanting to get stuff or did it drop because oh. people weren't hanging out how did that i mean from your point of view i should say here's what didn't happen 
which I think is amazing, which is that people, despite having being in solitary confinement and uh, being incredibly nervous about both the economic future and just the future in general, they never stopped buying board games. They, they loved them. And they, even if they knew they were buying them for that end time when they got to see people again, they were still buying them when they came out. So it was uh, a pretty good industry to be in. It was way better than, let's say, the movie theater industry. Right. which was not a particularly good, good, good business to be in. Right. And so, so we did good. We uh, did okay. I should say um, it was difficult. Um, uh, we realized early on that our voice had to change. We became the game company that was concerned about you during the pandemic. Like I think of all the game companies, we got that more than anybody else at Lone Shark. And so we, cause we were very proactive. The first thing is we realized what was gonna happen very early. Like, you know, when I came back from PAX East which was the end of February, uh, or first day of March, I think maybe, um, I came back with the under, I came back to Seattle which had just been hit with the nursing home uh, disaster that started the whole thing here in the United States. And uh, and I was like, this is going to be the worst thing that's happened to America in, in decades. And folks are like, how do you know? I'm like, well, because I know who's in charge of the country and I know he's not going to manage it well. <laughs> and so I, I, and I was underestimating, obviously, <laughs> how bad it would be. But I was like, no, it's going to be a disaster and we need to think about what we're like. So the next month, um, we slashed our prices in half. And we said, these are our pandemic prices. We we want you, we make solo games, games that are good for solo players. So, uh, you know, not just Pathfinder, but Apocrypha, Ninth World, um, you know, a, a lot of our games are really good solo. And so, plus we also make puzzles, which went through an amazing renaissance as well, because people could be home and solving them. And so, um, so we cut all our prices down to nothing. Uh, and then we made a retailer survival kit where we gave away $1,000 worth of games to any game store in the country for free um, that wanted them because we wanted them to have a lifeline. Right. And we said, look, this is all, all we can do. It's a thousand bucks, but this will, you know, if these might get you, you know, a payroll, you know, or something like that, right. You know, for some of your employees. And so, um, so we did that and we did a number of other things. We just tried to make sure that people understood that, that we were with them and people really supported us just in general. Like they, they cared about what we made and really supported it. Uh, it was a difficult time to try to run a game company. It was very, very difficult. The, um, the supply chain collapsed. The, uh, international supply chain literally went away like you couldn't move anything out in the the internal to the um games business here in the united states the main distributor alliance shut down and stopped paying people um the uh um we however had one of the few functioning warehouses in the country well all these big companies suddenly couldn't ship anything we could ship everything wow and so 
we just did. Like we got as much to people during this difficult time as we could for as cheap as we could lower the price to. And um, so we made a lot of friends during okay. that period of time. And, uh, and I think it was the right thing to do. Um, the other thing that was disastrous, still is disastrous, is um, our ability to play test things live went to zero. Right. That's our bread and butter. That's what we do right we no conventions can't take the game on the road can't have people in the office can't even send our own folks to the office right um we uh you know and so certain of our games uh just went on the shelf we're just like you know what this game is not going to be developed during the pandemic and so like i've been working on a follow-up to betrayal at house on the hill for a while and uh and we were getting to a point where it was really good um we made it with Justin Gary and his team from uh, um, Stoneblade that they made Ascension and Soulforge and stuff like that and uh, you know I just basically put a giant hold on that because we couldn't get the experience through Tabletop Simulator that we wanted with the game it was just too involved a game with like you know trader mechanic and things like that Yeah, and so Hyde Society took the brunt of the pandemic for us and now that we're starting to be able to get back in the office and stuff like that we're bringing that game back and we're going to try to make it as quickly as we can because you know now that you know i started talking about that game two years ago wow right and uh but people are like are you ever going to make that game and say yeah when the country returns to normal right um so so now that that's the case, uh, it's not normal. We're still in the middle of a pandemic um, with half the United States vaccinated. That means, I don't know if you can do the math on this, but that means half the country isn't vaccinated. Yep. yep and yep. so, uh, yeah, it's like, so, so we're still right in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. There's still all sorts of problems that have developed, but we're in a, we're going into a phase where uh, I sort of like in February hit that moment of the pandemic will not be an excuse anymore. Right. Right. It's like, no, actually you have a deadline, you know, during the, during the, during the middle of it, you know, during like mid 2020, it was like, if somebody blew a deadline, I'm like, I oh, mean, it's just a miracle that you can get anything done at all. Right. Yeah. And you know, I'm not like that anymore. Um, I'm back to, okay, look, we have things we need to do. Um, so we got a new game uh, that we, you know, bullied through called, um, I guess it hasn't been announced yet, whatever. It's called Monster Academy. It's based on um, a, a series of novels by Matt Forbeck. Uh, okay. And, and uh, so that, that game uh, finished playtesting, or not, uh, it's still in playtesting, but finished uh, development uh last week and now we're back in getting lords of vegas expansions done and then we're going to pick up high society again and we're going to try to be a functional game company awesome and i'm sure you're excited for things to start picking up i'm excited about sitting across a table and playing games with people yeah that's awesome. that's what i'm excited about. you, you mentioned I, go ahead no i was just tell, i was like 
like two weeks ago, I played Stardew Valley, the new board game, Stardew Valley, mm-hmm. um, with uh, my friend Eric, and it was the first board game I'd played in 15 months. Wow. Except for on Tabletop Simulator. Right. right? Well, and I was so, going to ask you about Tabletop Simulator yeah. uh, or anything else like that. Do you guys, what games do you guys have available either through Tabletop Simulator or like you can on play, Steam? Yeah, you can what play. What do you guys have? You can play Pathfinder, you can play Betrayal, you can play um, Lords of Vegas with all the mods. Um, you can, uh, you know, we'll probably open up Monster Academy soon for people to play test. Um, and, uh, you know, cause that game, that game uh, fits on a tabletop simulator table. Like it's not so big that your mind loses track of it. Right. Right. Whereas some of my other games, I don't know, you know, it's just where, where was that thing again? Right. right? What, where were <laughs> we, whose turn is it? Yeah. Cause the turns got randomized somehow, okay. um, you know, whatever. And so, um, so some of them aren't, um, but yeah, ninth world's on there. Um, I think Thorn watch is on there and, uh, but you know, just for me, it's like, I need human beings across the table. Yeah. Uh, especially in playtesting, but just sort of in real life. I mean, we we were playing that game of Stardew Valley and, you know, it was like a two-hour game and we were both exhausted at the end of it. We've forgotten how much energy we put into these things. Yeah. But you had and fun. Just, That's what matters, right? Yeah, but I forgot how. <laughs> and so, uh, so now, I mean, I'm just really excited to be back into the world where I can have people directly across from me in my office, you know, and if we're playtesting, I can observe them and I can make modifications based on their reactions, just all the things I've been missing. And that'll make, you know, it'll make our stuff so much better. Uh, And then we can, you know, bring some of the stuff that people have been, you know, asking us to release for a long time. Well, I know Uh, a lot of people in our, in that are listening here, they, a handful of them at least are going to be excited about the betrayal of house on the hill expansion well it's not an expansion about. it's just a new the, it's the first game first game i've written that has a trader mechanic since betrayal oh i thought i thought you said earlier that you had one that was kind of sitting on the shelf all pandemic no what i'm trying to say is that gotcha. this game is not it's not a sequel to betrayal it's um it's the first game of that genre oh okay that i have made since that time okay Uh, i gotcha and uh so when i say it's sort of my follow-up it's like it's a totally different game it's not through wizards um but it's um i think if you're a betrayal fan you're gonna like it okay well either way then they'll be excited about that as well (laughs) yeah i hope so where do you get some of your inspiration for some of these games obviously people you know where you're just like like Paul and Storm, you're like, well, I heard the song. I got to make this game. I mean, Is it just kind like of on a whim? Like... Starvation that? sucks. <laughs> okay. So I have to come up with ideas or I die. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, it's basically it. I, you know, basically, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I just walk into the office some days and I go, I came up with this thing and I don't know if it's any good and let's play it and see if it is. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I mean, like sometimes it's, sometimes it's off of a thing, but other times it's just a wild idea that I've been playing around with for a while. And, you know, usually it takes, 
someone else saying they'd want it for me to actually get to work on it because there's so many things that are lying around waiting for us to pay attention to them yeah and uh but you know i mean i i just think that if i feel a story coming on it'll probably be pretty good yeah you know if i feel like i can tell a story that you want to be in then i can write a game about that and uh you know some of our new games really feel that way so i I think you're gonna like it somebody had asked earlier about the inspiration for letters of uh letters to margaret well i didn't come up with that on my own that was Haley gold um she uh she is just a a fan of the world of crosswords and all the controversies and history and stuff like that she's i mean she she just knows that all better than i do in some sense even though i've been involved in it a lot longer and just sort of found a spark of like this would be a great story for these characters that you know aren't perfect at all like they're messed up but they figure it out like they figure out how to express themselves and 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 how crossword puzzles just sort of are a method of communication unto themselves and uh i don't know i you know i i read the first chapter or two basically she sent it over she didn't really have the concept of people solving puzzles in it okay and i was like no you can't do a book about crossword puzzles and not give people puzzles to solve and so that required rewriting it and changes and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we redid the puzzles many times. Um, but it, just the concept was so rich of, you know, and so connected to the moment of all the culture wars that we have and people who believe they're right no matter what. And we were like, you know, this this is a really fertile ground and we can view it through this lens of trying to make crossword puzzles yeah and uh, it, it really worked it's it's really good that's exciting yeah so uh as we wind down here where yeah. is it that uh where do you plan on being you know you were talking about social interaction things like that's that you got some, you got a schedule coming up places you're going to be Gen yeah Con, perhaps? So no is the answer to that so no. look i um i have decided so i would go Prior to the pandemic, I would go to basically 15 to 20 conventions a year. Mm-hmm. And 20 conventions is a lot. You know, there aren't that many weekends in the year. Right. And so I was always on the road. I was always on a plane. I couldn't remember the last time I didn't have three plane tickets reserved. And um, so I'm going to the National Puzzlers League convention, which is in Washington, D.C., right next to this Planet Word place, um, at the end of this month. Okay. And then... I don't know. I'm not going to Gen Con. Um, just to be clear about what that means, I was 17 the last year I didn't go to Gen Con. I'm 53 now. So it's so like... You're allowed to take a break is what you're saying. Well, <laughs> I just didn't feel like it was the right thing for me to take my team yeah. into... A convention that had not decided how big it was going to be what right. its safety precautions what were the safety yeah 
and also i don't really think the state of indiana knows what it's doing yeah no that's understandable and so i just wasn't going to be a part of it and it was a big deal to not be a part of it and i may regret not going but i just didn't feel up to it uh i don't know beyond that um because we haven't actually heard to date whether pax is coming back this year for example um there's a small chance i'll go to origins we usually do a radio show from there um i don't know if we're gonna do that this time um uh but yeah it's possible that this is just gonna be you know one or two conventions and that's it um and you know we'll see about it like i don't need to trailblaze on this stuff i feel like uh I'm pretty happy wearing a mask for as long as I feel like it. Right. And I, you know, I like, I don't think anybody wants to be in that hallway in Gen Con waiting for the dealer room to open ever again. Yeah. Shoulder to shoulder with 10 million other people. I don't really want to do that. No, no, no. I'm good. It's understandable. And so I, I feel, I feel good about this decision. It's really different for me. Um, you know, when I think about how much time I spent on the road versus, look, I, I would not want what happened last year to ever happen again. But, you know, the introverts had some of it right. <laughs> they did. My wife's an you introvert. Know? I understand. Yeah. Like they, they, like maybe I don't have to wear socks today. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I don't mean to trivialize it. I'm sure that, you know, introverts go, I'm not an introvert. I don't know what it's like, but the concept of just not having to be on all the time, mm-hmm. which is what I am generally, you know, like this podcast, I was like, yeah, I'll be on the air for a little while and then maybe I'll shut down after that. Yeah. Right. As opposed to going on to the next thing right away. Yeah. And so I just feel like um, it's okay to change. And uh, I learned a lot about myself during the pandemic and I'm pretty happy with the idea of maybe not being in public quite so much. Okay. Um, now I got to say the greatest thing about conventions is that every five minutes or so five ten minutes whatever somebody would come up to me and say mike you're awesome so i need to find some sort of dopamine hit that replaces that well it's here there are a bunch of people i'm sure that are going to tell you online mike you're awesome i just mean i'm one of them i just mean i know i appreciate that but there is something about like you know being in the presence of people who right. seem to really like what you do. And so I'll see how long this lasts, but, but I'm not rushing it. I don't, I don't need to be in the first wave of people who go back. Well, I will let you know that if you want to online play test, it's not the same. Um, my stream is always open to you. Awesome. You to play test games or whatever. You just, sure, we'll you just do. let me we'll, know. We'll, let's, absolutely. We'll bring Monster Academy over and we'll, we'll play it. Sounds good. Um, I'd like that. Social, social, social media at Mike Yeah, uh, I'm Mike Selinker everywhere. So uh, it's one word on Twitter and two words on Facebook. But you know, I am I am I am your friendly neighborhood game and puzzle designer who will happily engage you, no matter what. Um, so anybody who wants to hit me up there, just come find me. Uh, we can talk about anything you want. Awesome. And uh, Lone Shark Games, it's at Lone Shark Games on Twitter. LoneSharkGames.com yeah. is the website. Yep. 
and it's been a pleasure and amazing to have you on here. You are a legend, and we all love well, you. Well, I'm just happy to be be here. I'm, I'm just happy we have made it through a, a, a difficult time. So, uh, but Nick, thanks for inviting me on, and thanks to everybody who's watching. Really appreciate you folks. I'll go back and read your comments later and see if I can answer some of them. Yeah, that's awesome. So everybody listening to the podcast, thank you very much. Uh, you have been listening to Epic Games. Have a great rest of your day or night. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. Yeah.